0: And welcome back to the Cover Three Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli, that's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash cover three and all across the 24-7 face 24/7 Sports Facebook Network. Thank you for tuning in, for watching live, for being a part of the Cover Three Live experience. Smash that subscribe, smash that like, come and jump in the chat and participate. We got a big day on hand as we're going through the big 10. Today, we will do the Big Ten East. Wednesday, we will do the Big Ten West. That means we are running down everything about Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, Maryland, Indiana, and Rutgers today. The rest of the conference on Wednesday. It's an interesting year in the Big Ten as last year saw uh, a little bit of an upending. Michigan wins the conference for the first time since Lloyd Carr was the head coach in terms of an outright conference championship for sure, and Michigan also was able to snap that nasty losing streak to Ohio State. But the Buckeyes are coming back with a vengeance, and as we'll get to in just a little bit, they've got the highest win total, not just in the Big Ten East, but in the entire conference. They're one of three teams that I think are pretty much unanimous, considered the top three teams nationally uh, when it, you're sort of drawing out those uh, those top tiers. CBS Sports 131, by the way, will be released on Tuesday, so keep your eyes out for that. So, without anything else, gentlemen, if there's no other business, uh, you guys ready to uh, dive in and get this thing started?
1: Let's do it. it.
0: Alright, and now to get us started, it is the general manager of Vanderbilt Football.
2: As much as I think it's the, the under Vanderbilt. is a safe play, like I can't even... Count
0: them all. Count them all. How many games y'all gonna win this fall?
2: I can't fathom who wins. How many games
0: y'all gonna win this fall?
2: I just can't. I don't see it. It's not, it's not on there. It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere.
0: The Ohio State Buckeyes have an over-under win total at the Caesar Sportsbook of 11 wins. Minus 140, if you want to get on that over, plus 110. If you think that this is a team with a couple losses on the schedule, schedule starts out with one of the more uh, exciting games, one of the more highly anticipated games of the entire season, Notre Dame coming to Columbus, that on September 3rd. Uh, The rest of the non-conference includes Arkansas State and Toledo. In terms of conference play, they're going to be taking – Wisconsin from the Big Ten West. They're going to be taking Iowa from the Big Ten West. Wow, that's a that's a pretty tough draw. Oh well, guess what? They're both coming to Columbus. In fact, home cooking's a little bit of a theme with this Ohio State schedule, as there's no road games at all until October 8th against Michigan State. So we've got again very very high ceiling. We're talking win a national championship kind of ceiling what went wrong last year on well, the defensive side of the ball, certainly had some issues that led Ryan day to go and hire one of the top DCs in the country in Jim Knowles. So with CJ Stroud looking like one of the best quarterbacks in the entire country with Jackson Smith and Jigba looking like one of the best wide receivers in the entire country, with Travion Henderson looking like one of the best running backs in the entire country. Yes. I got, I took it on the chin after the Oregon game, but I do believe this is a team that can get off the bus and score 40 I guess as we begin, are they going to get enough stops or do we think Ohio State is going to live up to these expectations? Where are we at with the Buckeyes sitting at 11?
1: You know, if if we don't take the juice into account, just even juice, I'm probably going over because I think 11 and 1 and 12 and 0 are more likely than 10 and 2, but with the way that it's juiced at Caesars at the +110, I kind of slightly lean towards the under just because it's not completely out of line to think that this team could lose twice like I I think they'll win the opener against Notre Dame because new coach new quarterback not a not a lot of question marks for me at the receiver spot and I just don't know what that team's going to look like in the first week of the season I think if you're getting the Irish you want to get them early more than later that Wisconsin game could lose but it's at home so not really concerned but there are the road games against Michigan State Penn State you've got Michigan at the end of the year And there's always, you know, Ohio State still does have kind of a, you know, screw up in them from once every once in a while. And defensively, like I'm pretty high on Jim Knowles taking over after what Jim Knowles did at Oklahoma State and Jim Knowles has done. And I think that with the talent that they have, this defense should take a huge leap forward. But. That's still assumption. Like we haven't actually seen it yet, so there's still some question marks. Where I think the most likely outcome is the over, but with the juice where we're getting it at, I lean slightly under, but I'm not betting either.
3: I, I think Tom's analysis there is really spot on. I had them at eleven point one two. So, yeah. like a, that's not really much of a play at any juice. B, at this juice, so minus one forty is what is it fifty eight point three implied? Yeah. So that's your break even. So essentially, if if you're going to go over 11 at minus 140, you need to have a belief that this is at least 60% likely to happen, right, in order for you to cash, which if Ohio State stays perfectly healthy, I think there's a pretty good shot that it does cash. I have them as double-digit favorites in all but two games and single-digit favorites in in no games. Uh, However, I did say if they stay healthy. And if you go back and listen to the summer school you know, I, I spoke with the guys from Bucknuts, which is the best Ohio State side out there, and they do a great job, and they said this should be one of the best offensive lines in quite a while at Ohio State if they stay healthy. But the depth there is a little bit thin. So if they don't, you could see this maybe cost them a game or two, as we saw with Alabama last year. Even though Bama recruits at a crazy high level, if you get some injuries, they could get hurt. The offense should be absolutely sick. I am not all that worried about the receivers they lost given you know, Marvin Harrison Jr., JSN is back. They, they have Fleming. They have um, Emeka oh, Buka, got, Emeka, right, the guy from Seattle. Defensively, I think the back seven should be pretty solid. The linebacker play won't be worse, I don't think. They're fine at corner, I believe. I do think Jim Knowles will do a good job. I, I want to see them develop that next-level pass rusher. Maybe that's Harrison this year. Maybe it's not but the price here is prohibitive to me. I'm not going to pay minus 140 to go to the over, which I'm not going to name other books, but other like legal US books, minus 190 10 and a half is something that is much better. Pay the 50 cents if you have to to go over if you want to hit this over.
0: Over. You are not going to lose. You have ultimate push insurance. And it's interesting Tom that you mentioned the Ohio State wrinkle because until last season one of my compliments of Ryan Day is that in the very small sample size, we hadn't had the Iowa game. We hadn't had that, you know, just totally uh, go and and blow it. And do we the Purdue game, the Iowa game, like those moments when Ohio State against a conference opponent, when they were a heavy favorite, would just totally go out there and blow it. The only losses that we had had. We're uh, in the Fiesta Bowl in the college football playoff to Clemson, and then in the national championship game to Alabama. Then all of a sudden, last year you get the Oregon loss, you get the Michigan loss. So yes, there has been a little bit of a knock here, but I I'm willing to say that the head coach, who's 34 and four overall and 23 and one in conference play, at least in terms of the again very small sample size, doesn't seem to have that same thread that we were able to follow through much of the Urban Meyer era. Uh, again, like you said, Tom, if you're going to play Notre Dame, I like it at the beginning of the season versus at the end of the season. The, I think the home cooking is incredibly favorable. And while there might be one loss in there, you know, if Penn State's able to get it done uh, in that spot where they've been always competitive at home with the Buckeyes in town, I'm we'll get to Michigan State in a little bit. I don't think that's the spot. I just I, I don't see a 10 and 2 scenario here so yeah give me uh the over for Ohio State even at 11 because it's it's going to be a little juicy but worst case scenario I think you're getting your money back at the end of the season
1: I just I I agree I like I said I think 11 and 1 12 and 0 is more likely but with the juice where it is and it's just it's I think 10 and 2 is the it's the mathematical play. My heart says over, but the math says under.
0: I mean, my heart says this team's going like 12 and 0, you know, 13 and 0 and shows up in the college football playoff and it's the uh, it's like the future of the the new college football playoff subdivision Super Bowl where we're going to trot out the team from the Midwest and they're going to go up against the superstars from the South and we'll see who ends up getting to go and win a national championship. I mean, it's just the the way that last season ended with the loss to Michigan, not being able to play for a Big 10 title, then going out with that thrilling Rose Bowl, it it just seems like the table setter for a Buckeye season that is going to end in the college football playoff.
1: But what the thing that I can't get out of my mind though, watching or thinking of that team last year. And I know like different coach, some different players, but in the Oregon loss, in the Michigan loss, in that Utah Rose Bowl win. They were getting beat up. Like they were getting out tough on defense. Like teams were just able to run the ball on them. And there really wasn't a whole lot that they were able to do and stop it. So for me, it's like, I think that's going to improve. I think schematically they'll be better. I think that, you know, just overall, they're going to be a smarter defense. They're going to do different things, confuse teams more, do a better job of all that, keep them off balance. But they also have to be a lot more physical than they seem to me the last few years. And I'm not just going to assume that's going to happen. I need to see it before I could go that far.
0: There has also been a comment that Jim Knowles at his previous stops, it's taken some time for the defenses to take big steps. There's a little bit of a learning curve here. My counter is that those previous stops did not include all the four stars and five yeah. stars that Ohio State has on its roster yeah. who are very much uh, at the talent level that is unlike anywhere that he has had previously. So, Yeah,
1: like taking over Oklahoma State's defense at the time he took it over was quite a different task than the one he's inheriting in Columbus.
0: I, I also
3: want to point out that I, I think that even if Jim Knowles' defense does not make this a – so I had him actually as a top 30 defense last year in my opponent-adjusted stuff. like They were not 90th, as, as people mm-hmm. want to say, or if they want to say that they're wrong, in my opinion. Even if he only makes them maybe a top 20-type defense out there, I'm okay with that because the style of defense that will be played is one that is aggressive. It's going to get some turnovers. It's going to get some tackles for loss. It's going to get them off the field quickly – it's going to get the ball back often to this offense. Now, sometimes the offense is going to get the ball back because they gave up an explosive play. That's kind of what Knolls' defenses do. Last year, I thought Ohio State was playing such a conservative style of defense and playing it poorly. It was like watching bad Iowa, and it was just a total, like, kind of a total mind. Uh, can't say it on the podcast. It was really messing with my head, <laughs> uh, right? To, to watch them do this and, and die a slow death. If you want to play a fourteen or fifteen possession game against Ohio State.
0: Go ahead. Probably gonna lose. Yes.
3: (laughs) You know, like don't don't give CJ the Stroud the ball more more than 10 times. And he's gonna get the ball quite a bit, even if they give up some scores.
0: Yeah, don't don't go up tempo against the more talented team. You're just gonna give the more talented team more opportunities to score touchdowns.
1: Like if you mentioned their draw from the West, the good news is they get Wisconsin and Iowa at home. But the bad news is based on what I saw from that defense last year, Wisconsin and Iowa are the kind of teams I think could cause them problems. Mm, Should be very
0: interesting. Count them out. Turning our attention to the Michigan Wolverines at Caesar Sportsbook. Michigan has an over under win total of nine and a half wins, minus 130 to the over, plus 100 to the under. You take a look at the schedule, the non con is Colorado State, Hawaii, and Yukon. Ooh, boy. (laughs) this is not a team that is trying to impress the college football playoff selection committee. that's okay because you already got yourself one cfp appearance the draw from the west division uh they got illinois at home near the end of the season they are at iowa and nebraska at home also back at the end of the season Uh, michigan state and penn state are both going to be coming to ann arbor in october and the season finishes of course at ohio state in columbus so at nine and a half wins and uh schedule that is uh, awfully favorable. What are we doing with the Wolverines?
3: If I have to, I'm going over
0: right? Um, And I think that they're not going to be as good as they were last year. I'm sitting here looking at all these reasons why I'm going to downgrade them, you know, so to speak. I don't have the same sets of, you know, power rankings that you two do, but at least it's sort of the jockeying in my mind, ranking these teams, seeing how they stack up. I keep looking at all these places where I think that Michigan will be not as strong of a team on the field, off the field, across the board. And yet I, I count up the schedule and I cannot find three losses.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's one game in which they'll be a decided underdog. I think they are favored in the other 11 games. I have them at 9.8, so that it's a small overplay for me if if I have to. Uh, I have a lot of confidence that the offense will actually take another step forward. I think they'll be more explosive than they were last year. I think the offensive line should should be strong. I like the pickup of Oluwotimi, the center, the the transfer from Nebraska. Both quarterbacks are a year older. Defensively, I think they will have a drop-off. It would be – in my opinion, a little bit silly to not think so when you lose that much talent up front. But there is some chance that the secondary doesn't drop off quite as much. And there are not that many teams on the schedule who throw the ball all that effectively and play a lick of defense. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think Michigan's going to lose to Iowa or to Indiana or Rutgers. And those are three of their four road
1: games. Um,
0: I think they could lose at Iowa. That's a potential. But like, like,
1: if, if, if it's, it's a night game, game if it's a night game, it becomes like 20% more difficult.
3: That That's true. That is the right? – I mean, to me, I have them as five losable games, but they're only underdogs in one of those losable games. The, they have basically seven – I don't know if I want to use the, the L word, locks, but there's seven that, that I'd be pretty damn surprised if they did lose. And we would probably lead the, the week, weekly recap show if they lost any of those other seven.
1: Yeah, like w- what makes that Iowa game tricky is – based on Iowa schedule, Michigan schedule, this could be a game that's like moved to prime time because it could be like two top 10, top 15 teams at that point. But it's also their first road game. So while I I don't know how, it's not that huge of a deal because there's still plenty of experience on this team that I'm not too concerned about it, but still the first road game of the year after playing four, which should be mostly kind of cupcake-ish home games, that could kind of add a little bit layer of you know difficulty. But yeah, the non-con is just like, they're going to be winning those games 50 to 14. Over and over. Like Colorado State is a team that with Jay Norvell's offense might have posed some problems for them later in the year, but with their first game there for with the new regime, I don't think Colorado State's going to be anywhere near ready to really give Michigan much of anything at that point. Uh Penn State, to get them at home. I think that's probably good for Michigan. You get Michigan State at home and you get it off a bye. So that's probably going to be pretty difficult for the Spartans. And then, yeah, the second half of the schedule at Rutgers come on. Uh Nebraska, Illinois, both at home. I don't see either of them really giving the Wolverines much problem in Ann Arbor and then you've got the Ohio State game. So when I I look at Michigan this year, it's like it's a 10 and 2 team that could probably go 11 and 1.
0: It's a 10 and 2 team that is going to show up into a bowl game and not like <laughs> No, I'm not going to make cuz they could get a lot better by the end of the season as well. I just am, I am non-plussed. At how little I'm going to learn about the Michigan Wolverines while they're winning by 24 to 28 points for the month of September. Uh, You know, like Maryland at least will uh, give us the opportunity for our good old Michigan home overs. But I mean, they are going to have some lopsided wins. Like you mentioned, Colorado State game one for uh, Norvell. But what those are three, what bottom 30 teams?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Depending on where you have Colorado State, but Hawaii and UConn for sure got to be bottom 10.
3: Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to do a a show bet with Tom, or I'll I'll throw this out to you guys. Points scored by Michigan in non-conference games this year, 145.
0: Because you're thinking they're putting up 40 to 50 points in all of those games.
3: Yeah, I have them favored by by
1: 50 against UConn and 48 against Hawaii, so... There's going to be a lot of 149. number. There's going to be a lot of 49 to 10 games in That's those. That's a first Michigan three. win. Yeah, yeah, Michigan
0: win is to be seven seven midway through the first quarter, and then you just lock it down and and slowly run it up throughout the course <laughs> of the rest of the game.
1: Yeah, I would probably go over on that number. But yeah, Michigan this year, like, I don't think Maryland has much of a shot to beat them. But that game on September 24th is really the first time you have to pay any attention to Michigan. I'm worried so, about their speed
3: rush. Like, if, if we want to be negative, real quick. Yeah, who on, who on this schedule is going to hurt you if you don't have an edge rusher? That, that is kind of a worry of mine. Uh, I went back and listened again to our summer school series I did with Sam Webb, the, our, our Michigan publisher for 24-7 Sports, and that was kind of a concern of his. So I, I wonder, like, like who do they have coming off the edge? Who will emerge? And if they don't get that guy... Maybe there's a couple games. Like I don't think I was passing attacks any good. So no, I was just Michigan
0: there. State. I think yeah. Michigan State's wide receivers are good enough, and Peyton Thorn has proven to be serviceable. That that game, which I am giving as a W for you know Michigan, Michigan State. That game being at the Big House, where I do have a, I do have Michigan playing at home as more of a home field advantage than your average team. Um, but if if that's an issue, and Peyton Thorne has enough time, the wide receivers for Michigan State are good enough that that could become very problematic for that game. And obviously, Ohio State at the end of the season is another one. How many games are going to win this fall? We go to Happy Valley, where Penn State has an over-under win total of eight and a half wins at the Caesars Sportsbook. Uh, You can get it at minus 105 to the over and minus 125 to the under. They have... Awesome non-conference game at Auburn that'll be on September 17th. And that game will be on CBS as part of the SEC on CBS package for the 2022 season. Uh, The rest of the non-con includes Ohio at home, Central Michigan at home. They actually opened the year with conference game at Purdue. The rest of the road games in conference play at Michigan, at Indiana, at Rutgers, when it comes to the home slate in conference play, Northwestern, Minnesota, Ohio State, Maryland, and then the regular season finale against Michigan State. Um, I, don't, I don't know where you, the analysis is for you all. we'll be doing Auburn next week when we do the SEC West. I, I've got that one as a little bit of a, a little bit of a toss up, maybe a true toss up right now, but how are we sitting on eight and a half games for Penn State?
1: I'm not betting it, but I'm over. Like I've got this team going nine and three. I it's. I don't think it's as bad as it has been the last few years. We've talked about it many times. Twenty twenty, I don't care about. But going into twenty twenty, this is a team that. Suffered unexpected injuries and losses of players at the running back position, and they just never were able to overcome it. Last year, they continued to struggle running the ball. And actually, I'll probably be writing something about that in the next couple of weeks here. But this is like they were terrible running the ball. And it really just impacted everything that they did offensively because it's much more difficult to throw the ball when defenses don't really need to care about whether you can run or not, or even if, if you think they're going to run. So I think that with Nick Nick Singleton, like we've spent so much time <clears throat> Thinking about the quarterback situation between Sean Clifford and Drew Allard, Nick Singleton, a five-star running back, is probably the most talented running back that Penn State has had since, you know, the Saquon Barkleys and Miles Sanders. And I'm not saying he's Saquon Barkley, but I'm just saying. And it's a position where I think you could come in right away as a freshman and have a much bigger impact on what Penn State is trying to do, probably, than what Drew Alar can do. So I think offensively, this is going to be a much more balanced team, which I think will be much better for everybody involved. And on the defensive side of the ball, I know they lose a couple key players like Quan Briskers, you know, in training camp with my Bears right now, playing great, doing wonderful. But I still think defensively, this is a very sound very talented team and I think this is kind of going to be a rebound year for Penn State I don't think they're going to win the East I don't think they're at Michigan's level I don't think they're at Ohio State's level but I do think they will reestablish themselves as the third best team in this division pretty markedly so I think nine and three is the most likely outcome here I I agree with Tom Uh, I'm at
3: 8.65 so that that's not a thing that I would bet I don't show value but I'm certainly not going to be betting the under here with the Nittany Lions I was DMing with my buddy Bill Connolly this morning about how well Sean Clifford was playing before he got hurt. You know, he was actually top 10 mm-hmm. in QBR nationally before he got hurt. Like, he actually, and as much as we bag on him uh, and you know say, like, he's going going pro in something other than sports, uh, and I think that is probably true, he was playing very effectively last year. And that was the first year of Mike, Mike Ursich, who I do think is a good offensive coordinator, getting the second year of Yursich, some some coordinator continuity, finally there. In Happy Valley, Tom hit the running backs, fully agree. Losing Jahan Dotson's a big deal, but they get Tensley from Western Kentucky coming in. Parker Washington's not bad. I remember I got totally ripped last year when I did not mention him in in this very episode. So uh, mentioning Parker Washington again for the record, Penn State fans. And, And I do think there's some chance that Penn State's offensive line might be more physically talented, although a little bit less experienced than it was last year. So maybe they'll be able to move some people off the ball. Uh, my main concern here, honestly, is, is pass rush. I think the secondary will be fine, despite the loss of Brisker. Uh, they, they're they pretty damn good back there. They've got a lot of guys who can play. I think Curtis Jacobs is a nice linebacker who will fill in. We'll see about the other backer spot. They did lose their top two. A guy to keep an eye out, on, or an eye out for is Damian Robinson, who now goes by Chop Robinson, transferred over from Maryland. Mm-hmm. He was a top 100 kid for us at 24-7 Sports, has a lot of juice off the edge. If he can emerge, this is a pretty good team that should contend for for second in the East.
0: So I think the reason why we think about Sean Clifford in, in sort of these senses where we're not appropriately grading him is because there have been six games over the last three seasons where he has multiple interceptions, and all of those games are Penn State losses, and many of those losses have been close losses where as you're watching the game and as you're seeing these turnovers and you're seeing the final score and the way the game plays out, you can't help but think if you were able to take care of the ball and if we didn't have those multiple interceptions, these games would be Penn State wins. It's, again, a little bit unfair because then we're ignoring all these other games where he's not throwing multiple interceptions. Again, I just said six. There's a lot of quarterbacks, if you are a starter for three whole seasons, are going to have more than six games with multiple interceptions. It's just that when they're coming with three interceptions and a five-point loss at Minnesota, when it's uh, two interceptions and a one-point loss at Indiana, when you're uh, last season going to Iowa, two interceptions and a three-point loss at Iowa, it just feels like these crucial games end up being decided by turnovers that whether they – I have not graded all of these games, but they do feel like they're at least in some part going to be at Clifford's feet. I like the idea that a healthy Clifford is going to lead, um, you know, have a strong bounce back. That Parker Washington is going to be good. That the run game is going to be able to take a step forward. And I also think that from the over under selection here, they've they've got some some favorable uh, breaks. There's there's no Wisconsin on this schedule. Um, there's no Nebraska on this schedule. The toughest draw from the west is Minnesota that game's going to be at home. So even if I chalk up let's say, you know, at Michigan is a loss. Uh Ohio State at home, let's say I'm gonna, I'll give that to the Buckeyes. Now even we're looking at the at Auburn game, maybe it's a loss and you still end up going over. I I am on the over here and I feel pretty good about it. I think that like you said Tom, this is going to be a bounce back year for uh for the Nittany Lions.
1: Yeah, like and going back to your point on Clifford, like the run game, as I mentioned, a big key of that is you take something off of Sean Clifford's plate because I think Sean Clifford is a good quarterback. I don't think he's just a game manager, but he's also not the kind of QB that you want to have to rely on to lead the entire offense and just having drop back and throwing 40 to 50 times per game. So to get a rushing attack to take some of the load off because just go into the numbers here. Penn State, if you go by per play, their rush EPA last season ranked 127th in the nation. There is no reason in hell a program like Penn State that recruits like Penn State should be that bad at running the football. So they, they need I think that's like Singleton, whoever, if the offensive line improves and they're able to run the ball, just, you know, average. This is a team that's going to take a huge step forward.
0: Coming up on the other side, we take a look at Michigan State after a great season under Mel Tucker in 2021. What's in store for the encore in 2022? Plus, Maryland looks for a bowl appearance, another bowl appearance, and Indiana and Rutgers looking to shock the world. All that and more. Next Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
0: Well, Cover 3 listeners, I got to tell you, Peloton is not just about bikes and treadmills. No, it's about an entire team of instructors that are ready to motivate you 24-7. With Peloton, there's literally thousands of classes ranging from strength training and yoga to running and boxing. And it means that Peloton is the perfect non-judgmental space to experiment with new types of movement at a level and pace that feels good for you. Tom, what's it been looking like? What sort of classes and instructors have stood out to you?
1: Oh, I've got plenty of favorite instructors. I really love the power zone program that they do because it's kind of, you know, it's suited to your ability to do things and it helps you train to your level and also improve your levels. And that's why I did 330 miles last month on my Peloton. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty avid using it. I use it every single day. And instructors like Dennis Morton, Kendall Toole, Matt Wilpers, Alex Toussaint, Emma Lovewell, they, those are my personal favorites, but There's somebody for everybody on Peloton. And there's also, you know, just the musical choices. You get some good playlists to kind of keep you going. The biggest difference for me using Peloton, because, you know, I've had, I have, I have home gym equipment that I use, but the biggest difference for me for Peloton that gets me excited to use it is it's fun. They make it fun. The way they do the classes with the music, with the playlists, it makes me want to get on the bike. It makes me want to get on the treadmill and use it, which, you know, just the equipment without all that stuff really just doesn't do it. You find a lot of excuses to stay off, but Peloton gives you excuses to get on.
0: Yeah, the music is absolutely iconic. I mean, are you in the mood to blast 90s hip hop? There's a class for that. Do you need to ugly cry over some power ballads after a bad day at work? There's a class for that as well. If you're looking for a Pride Month playlist that will get your blood pumping, there's a class for that. Whatever you're into, Peloton has the music that will get you moving. And if you're super busy, it doesn't matter if you have five minutes or an hour. If you're an early riser or a fan of the evening burn, there's a Peloton class that can fit your schedule as well. It's, mo- it's motivation that moves you anytime, anywhere. Try the Peloton bike or treadmill risk-free for 30 days. To learn more, go to OnePeloton.com. That's O-N-E Peloton, P-E-L-O-T-O-N.com. Again, OnePeloton.com, new members only, terms apply. To try the Peloton bike or the tread risk-free for 30 days, learn more at OnePeloton.com. Now we turn our attention to Michigan State. Uh, tremendous season last year for the Spartans. They go 11-2. and uh, They make it to a New Year's Six bowl game. And no matter what Pat Narduzzi says, Michigan State <laughs> won that game fair and square. Uh, you take a look at the schedule. They get Western Michigan and Akron at home to start the non-con. Then a very interesting trip out to Seattle to play Kalen DeBoer and the Washington Huskies in Seattle, uh, on September 17th, get into conference play with Minnesota from the West. That game will be at home. You also get Illinois from the West. That game will be on the road and Wisconsin. That game will be at home. Uh, when you look at this, it's interesting because you've got the Ohio State and Wisconsin game, like two of your tougher opponents, but they're both at home, but they are both in back to back weeks. A little bit later on is where you also see that Penn State game that will be on the road. Caesars has this at seven and a half wins over Juiced at minus 125, underpriced at minus 105. So after going 11 and two last season, where are we at with the Spartans in a win total of seven and a half?
1: Anybody got strong feelings?
3: I kind of have a semi strong feeling. Uh, So I'm going under, I I bet this aggressively when it was eight plus one ten to the under. And that lasted about 10 days. And now it's seven and a half, which is a more appropriate number, but I'm at like 7.28 here. So uh, this makes me sad because I had Michigan state over each of the last two years. I was the Michigan state can make a bowl guy two years ago. And they did. Right. So I'm, I'm a little bummed to be under on Michigan State, but I look at what they did last year, and I think some of it was just flat-out lucky, but not all. And I think some of it was uh, tremendous, but not necessarily repeatable on a year-to-year basis. So their offensive line last year, run blocking, was not actually all that great, Mm -hmm. and they still hit explosive runs like crazy. And that was, in large part, I think, to Kenneth Walker, doing Mm -hmm. a tremendous job. Well, he's gone. You also lose Naylor, right? He's gone. I, I'm i really concerned, though, about that offensive line that I just said wasn't all that great. They had a bunch of guys who were like honorable mention, Big Ten, but they lose 2,600 snaps just from the starters alone from last year's offensive line. And I have real concerns about this unit being able to push people around in the same way. Uh, I also have some concerns defensively, mainly about pass rush. I think the secondary... Almost has to, to improve by default because they were really bad last year. Uh, but to me, I'm a little concerned about some of this stuff because I don't see the separation for Michigan State between them and the rest of sort of like the middle of the Big Ten. And for that reason, I think all four road games are losable games at Maryland, at Michigan, at Illinois, and at Penn State are all games that the Spartans could lose. At Washington is also losable. And, you know, they're not going to like this, but you get Ohio State in East Lansing. And I don't think that game is all that winnable for Ohio State. So I would rather play it on the road, take my loss, and and you know, get a different game at home that I have a better chance of winning. So for me, it's it's under not aggressively hitting this at seven and a half, eight was great. If you find an eight still, I do think that is something you should hit for sure. Cause nine in my spreadsheet is not very likely at all. But I'm I'm out on these guys for this year a little bit. Makes me sad.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not betting it, but I'm with you. I, I'm on the under, and I. my biggest concern is defensively. This is a team that was not good against the pass at all. You were able to move the ball pretty much at will against the Spartans for the most part, but what they did a really good job of was tightening things up in the red zone at least holding teams to field goals, maybe even forcing a few turnovers here and there. But it's like you, you talk about what they lose with Kenneth Walker and all those other guys, but to me, it's also the defense and the schedule. That is, This is like a tough schedule Like starting at washington you know, you get akron on the road and your first who's the first game against it was western michigan uh, western, yeah. Yeah. yeah so those you'll be two and zero unless something crazy happens but like washington on the road that's going to be tough then you follow that up with a minnesota team that's going to be tough at maryland with a team with a bad secondary maryland is not a great matchup for michigan state and then you follow that up with ohio state wisconsin bye and then you're at michigan Some are really tough games all right after another. And if you don't get off to a great start, just how that might affect the confidence of a team that's coming off a great season and then has maybe a slow start, you don't know what kind of impact that's going to have in that locker room. And I just think that seven and five is more likely to me than eight and four. I don't think they're going to be bad. I think they're probably going to comfortably get to a bowl game, but kind of going along with what I was saying about Penn State, I think Penn State is going to reestablish itself as the third best team in the division. And if that happens, well, that can't be Michigan State anymore.
0: I love um, the fact that some coaches will continue to use what we have called antiquated statistics because it allows coaches to really be able to, to grip on to a superlative or a superlative in the negative sense. Mel Tucker, disgusted at his team's past defense. Mel Tucker at Big Ten Media Days last week, we were dead ass last in the country last season. That's going to change. And it is true that, you know, while the the red zone roulette and sort of the way that they were able to tighten up and the advanced statistics might not say they were dead-ass last, but um, no team had more passes thrown against them in all of FBS than Michigan Mm -hmm. State. No team had more completions against them in all of FBS than Michigan State. And the 4,222 passing yards allowed by Michigan State is the most that any FBS team has yielded in five years. So I'm glad that Mel Tucker still looks at antiquated statistics so that he can show up at big 10 media day and say, we were dead ass last and vow that that will change. I'm assuming that they will not be dead ass last, but it can still be uh, a huge concern. I, like I mentioned earlier, I think Peyton Thorne is uh, serviceable. I think he can be very, uh, a very good uh, quarterback within the context of big 10 quarterbacks. I, that's a qualifier there that I'm admitting but if we're ranking the Big Ten quarterbacks, I think that Peyton Thorne is is plus value. I think that the wide receiver position is great. I do think they're going to be able to hit uh, explosive plays through the air, but also, you know, I look at uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan, Penn State, and I do think the Washington game could be tricky. You know, you throw in some of the other games that Bud correctly identified as, like, not so much of a an easy chalk it up as a W, and so uh, I am also going to be on the under for Michigan State at seven and a half. Do
3: you yeah. guys have them favorite at Washington? No.
1: I have them as a small favorite. I've got Washington on minus 2.24. So
3: Washington <laughs> either you're a little higher in Washington than I am or you think Michigan State is like not like a top not a top 30 power rated team.
1: Uh, no, they're in my top 30. It's just I give Washington a little bit of a bump at home, but it's, it's a tough place to win but uh i i for mel's point about dead ass last if it's worth it anything to you tuck if you go by epa per drop back you ranked 88th
0: see i'm telling you we need coaches to hang on to this antiquated stuff so we can get those furious quotes
1: which still ain't
0: good but
1: it's not dead ass last
0: count them out then we take a little bit of a dip. You know, we were at 11, nine and a half, eight and a half, seven and a half. Uh, now we're talking about flirting with bowl eligibility and the Maryland Terrapins. Over, under, win total of six minus 105 price to the over minus 125 to the under Uh, you've got SMU coming through in the non-con you've got a draw from the West that includes a road game against Wisconsin the in-division play Ohio State's going to be at home Michigan State's going to be at home but you have to go to Michigan you have to go to Penn State Uh, you also have from the West a Purdue game and that will also be at home so Maryland Six wins. Mike Loxley got the Terps to a bowl last year. Do you think they will be able to do it again?
1: All right. So this is the biggest surprise of the day for me. Like I'm over and I feel pretty good about it. Ooh. And I I, did not see it coming.
0: I had pushed lean over because I think it's more likely than the under. So I'm not as strong. Curious to hear what you got here.
1: Well, As you know, I've got two ways that I do this. I've got the actual math that just projects, and then I've got the highly complicated simulation where I just go through the schedule and pick the games. And both have Maryland going, well, the simulation's got it at 6.8 wins. My brain had them going 7-5 and because I think that you look at the schedule and you see the at-Michigan game, that's a loss. At Wisconsin, it's going to be a loss. At Penn State, probably going to be a loss. Ohio State, going to be a loss. So, like, there's four right there. But you look at the rest of the schedule and it's like that SMU game, I think will be huge. If they beat SMU, I think they're going to get to seven wins because I, like I said, we were talking about Michigan state, Michigan state's biggest weakness is his Pat's defense. That's something Maryland can at least try to exploit Purdue. I'm not, you know, we'll save it for Wednesday. I'm not super high on Purdue this year at Indiana. I don't think they're going to be much of a problem. Northwestern. I think Maryland can outscore Northwestern. And then, you know, so Rutgers at the end of the year I think Maryland at home give that one to Maryland so I just I think if this team beats SMU and I think they've got a pretty decent shot of doing it because defensively I don't think the Mustangs are anything all that special the game will be in College Park I think there's a seven and five season in coming for the Terps in which they're going to get blown out by the teams you think are going to blow them out but they're going to be pretty strong against everybody else yeah they they do a
3: pretty good job about athleting people who they can out athlete and they don't really compete very well in the games where the opponents have a similar caliber of athlete. But two guys who were actually not on the field last year very much were Demas and also um, Sean Jones, who is – they're both now back. I think Maryland's offense is going to be dynamite. And I'm not even the biggest you know Talia fan. I think he's just kind of fine. But last year, they they kind of were bottled up. They were not able to hit those explosive plays like you would want when those guys went down. Basically, everybody's back on the offensive line. You get Rakeem Jarrett and the two guys I just mentioned. I think they're going to score enough points to likely make a bowl. I'm right on the number here, like 6.0. So I don't I, kind of flip a coin. It, defensively, kind of scares me. I'm not really seeing where yeah. they're going to get much better defensively. They do have to get that SMU game, I think, Tom, if they want to go over this. But they could push this if they lose at home to SMU. Um,
0: But I think they would need to beat Purdue. So I've got like five certain losses. And it's funny because they come in fits and starts at Michigan and Michigan state is back to back a little bit later in the season at Wisconsin, at Penn state, Ohio state at home, three games in a row. Like, but in those in between times, you got to hope that you're healthy because quarterback depth is a concern. If Talia does go down, then I don't know if it's back to, well, y'all remember when they had a linebacker playing quarterback like we have gotten down to like QB 5 at Maryland. Like this has been notoriously um, a bad injury luck kind of team. So that is something that, you know, don't, don't take that superstitious stuff into consideration. Come on, Terps fans, believe in this. Because the toss-up for me, again, five losses that I will chalk up, but SMU and Purdue, those are the ones where I'm like, okay, this will decide whether or not uh, Maryland is bowling. If you lose both of those games, that seven losses, you're not going to be in a bowl game. But both of those games are at home. All I need is for you to get one of them to get the push, and if you get both of them, then we're going to the over. So that's why I said I'm 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 a push lean over here for the show, and I think that SMU and Purdue are the ones that can get bring it home for the Turks. How many games are gonna win this fall for the Indiana Hoosiers? We'll see how many. Four wins is the over/under win total at Caesar Sportsbook. Minus one twenty to the over, minus one ten to the under. Um, this is when we go from, uh, or at least I don't want to speak for my my colleagues here, but this is when I start to flip from find the losses to find the wins. It's just in terms of your initial cursory scanning of the of the schedule, Idaho, yes. Western Kentucky, yes. Now we're talking about the maybes. Maybe Illinois at home. Maybe Rutgers away. Um, where, where are the wins here for the Hoosiers? What are the expectations? What are we doing here with four wins for Indiana? Push city. Four, a nice four and eight?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I would probably go under before over, though. But I think oh, okay. four and eight is most likely. Really? Oh, because okay. you see five wins coming?
3: I, I see. I think it's It's possible. Right, so that, you got to go back. They did play. I'm not going hard on the over here, but I think it's, I think it's possible, Tom. They played an insanely hard schedule last year. They actually had Cincinnati. I don't say beat, but they were really playing with Cincinnati. Um, mm-hmm. They had a ton of injuries last year. I do think that this team will play hard for Tom Allen. I'm a little bit sketchy on the hire of Walt Bell at, at OC. I'm not really sold there, uh, but. I think it's possible they could go over just by having just a little bit better health. And I'm also not convinced that like some of their teams on their schedule are are that great. Like is Western Kentucky going to beat them last year's Western Kentucky would have, I, I haven't favored over that WKU team. I don't know what they'll be at Cincinnati, probably 12 point dogs, 13 point dogs. Maybe I just think they could, they could go three and zero in the non-conference potentially. Not likely, but it's certainly possible. And then if they do that, if they're good enough to do that, they could go ahead and get two more wins. But I'm trying to play devil's advocate here a little bit, Tom, because I'm I'm basically right on the number as well. And I, I just think there's a lot of games that are not winnable for them. I, I see the yeah. top of the Big Ten this year really separating from the bottom some. Yeah. yeah. I,
0: Western Kentucky, I said it was a win, but that is not a guaranteed win. That's me no. looking at Western Kentucky and the loss of uh, Bailey Zappi and Zach Kittle, and just assuming that there's going to be a little bit of a regression for the Hilltoppers, but that, that game could be a Western Kentucky win. That could get very, very tricky, and I, I find it unlikely, though I, it would be momentous, you know, love each other times a 1,000 if they can go into Cincinnati and get that win, but I, I do think that's going to be tough to come by.
1: Yeah, I think there's a decent chance this team starts 3-0. and and then just kind of has to really climb uphill for the rest of the year to find those other two wins. Because, like, Illinois is their opener on a Friday night at home. Illinois is playing Wyoming the week before. So while Illinois will have the advantage of having the game in, it's also had to come in on a short week after playing another team while Indiana's been able to just focus on playing Illinois and has seen what Illinois put on tape. So I think that gives them an advantage in that spot. I think Idaho, who cares? Western Kentucky is trickier than some, but I don't think it's going to be as tricky as it was last year. Maryland is winnable at Rutgers is winnable. I think Purdue at the end of the year at home is winnable. So there are possible wins on there. I do think this is going to be a four and eight team, but I just, I have too many like Mel Tucker talked about his past defense was dead ass last actually by EPA per play. They weren't dead ass last, but they were dead ass laster. They ranked 119th per play. It's just teams didn't really feel the need to throw the ball as much against Indiana because they were usually in control of the game. And I just, you know, it's going back to 2020 when they had the great season. And again, sorry, Hoosiers fans, but there was the turnover luck that you had a whole hell of a lot of that you haven't quite had the last few years. And we've seen, you know, last year and we saw what happened. Things kind of cratered. So maybe we get a bounce back to the middle this year and things even out a bit more. I do think you're going to win Big Ten games this year, finally, though, not like last year.
0: Connor Basilak or Jack Tuttle? Who's uh, playing quarterback for the Hoosiers? Or who's the more successful quarterback over the course of the season? <laughs>
1: I, it depends. I, I haven't seen either of them in a new, the, the, what the offense is going to look like, but I liked Basilak at Missouri. I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what happened there, but I liked Basilak while he was there. I think it will be Basilak.
3: Like if you're Bazelak, would you really leave Missouri to go to Indiana? If you didn't think you were going to start? I don't know. I, was Missouri sad to see him go? Not really, but then they tried to go out and, and get uh, JG Daniels and a couple other guys mm-hmm. and they whiffed on him.
0: And now, yeah, but does, does Missouri He'll sit say- here today? And wish that Connor Bazelak was still there. I don't know. Transfer portal roulette. They
3: he's definitely in the, like, the year. He's not Jag plus. He's, he's just Jag. He's, he's yeah. just a Yeah.
0: Count him out! Wrapping up the Big Ten East with Rutgers over under win total at Caesar Sportsbook. Not in New Jersey, but in other Caesar sports books. You can get it at four. It is a uh, minus 115 to the over, minus 115 to the under. The non-con, we start with at Boston College, then you get Wagner at home, then at Temple. You take a look at the Big Ten schedule from the West. You get Iowa, you get Nebraska, you get Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska at home. And then uh, the East is brutal. We talked about it. The top of the division seems to be pulling away from the bottom. Uh, where, where are the – maybe Indiana at home. I'll give him Wagner. I'll give him at Temple. At Boston College is tough. Uh, you can be bullish on the overall big picture. You know, like Rutgers football is getting investments that it hasn't gotten before. Greg Schiano is able to add something to this program that gives it credibility or legitimacy across the board. But when it comes time to picking a win total, I look at this four and I'm I'm going under uh, before I'm going over for sure.
3: I agree, for sure. If if you are taking the over or pushover on Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State, and if you like it on Michigan State, cool, or Maryland, somebody has to take some L's. And I think Boston College is a better team. They open with BC. Boston College has the much better quarterback. I think they will win on the road at Temple, but Rutgers' offense is bad enough to where they could lose that game. Seriously, like like if, if you just turn the ball over a bunch, you could lose it. And I'm expecting a defensive drop off for Rutgers this year that I do not anticipate their offense being able to make up the gap. So a couple of key notes here. Number one, they already lost Turner and and uh oh shoot, the the guy with the rushing sound of name um off their <laughs> defensive line. Then Muhammad Torre got hurt in camp and they also lost um oh shoot, the 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 highly rated four star they brought in. He's oh. also out for the year with an ACL. So I think they're, they're really going to have some issues up front as far as pass mm-hmm. rush. They lost every linebacker who had more than 400 snaps last year. That's three guys. Now, the secondary should still be solid, so you'll probably have to grind it out against Rutgers. I'm not a believer in Gavin Wimsatt in the short term. We had him rated highly at 24-7 sports, but I think he was extremely uh, developmental as a prospect. Uh, now, I do love Taj Harris from Syracuse, assuming mm-hmm. they got him into school and, and he's going to be okay. Like, that kid's a stud. I know a lot of schools liked him uh, ability-wise. Off-field stuff, you know, can they get him to school? That, some questions there. But he's on Rutgers roster, so I assume he's going to be good. Losing Bo Milton sucks. Offensive line, they lose a whole bunch. They brought in a bunch of transfers. That's a wild card for me. That could be a reason why I lose this underbet. But I... I mean, I, I only have Rutgers favorite in two games. So
0: Wagner and Temple? Yeah. 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 I think um, your
3: home dogs in the end. But the punter's back and the punter keeps them in games because that kid is yes. real. <laughs> and he flips the field and it makes their offense look not quite so terrible, which it is.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm also on the push under here, and for a lot of the stuff that you were saying, it's like might surprise some people, but like, you know, Michigan was the best defense in the Big Ten last year. But by success rate, the second best defense in the Big Ten last year was Rutgers. Like they were actually pretty decent on that side of the ball. But like you were saying, but offensively, they were just absolutely terrible like on a per snap basis of e- offensive epa they ranked 121st they only had you know their explosive play rate was 8.4 percent which is well below the national average of 12 and a half percent they just they really really struggle to move the ball down the field and put points on the board and i think that is something that needs to improve a lot if you're to expect rutgers to not just get the four wins but to get past and to start competing for a bowl spot i just Don't see that happening this year. Not with this schedule. I do think Wagner and Temple are the two wins for sure. And then you get your kind of coin toss maybe wins. You get Indiana at home. Maryland on the road is within play. Nebraska at home is in play. I don't think that's very realistic, but I think at BC to start the season, first game of the year, that's in play. I think this team probably gets to four more often than it gets to anything else, but I think three is more likely than five.
3: One more or two more things I wanted to add. Number one, I ragged on their offense a bunch. I actually think Sean Gleason's probably a pretty good coach. I just I don't think Rutgers has any talent to work with. On they the don't have the personnel right football. now. Yeah. Number two, if you're going to bet this team to the over, wouldn't you rather just take Boston College money line? Show me a scenario that this team wins five games and one of those five is not Boston College, barring some kind of crazy injuries. I'd rather just bet Rutgers yeah. on the money line against BC, <laughs> either lose and know I lost or win and know, know that I've won and take my money and bet it again. Then let somebody, hopefully, Caesars, great people, uh, you know, hold the money for for you know, five months. Yep, so
0: it's like the why would you bet the win total when you could bet the division or when you could bet the conference? Because it's the
3: Louisville principle as well. If you think Louisville's going over, why don't you just bet a minus three at Syracuse? If
0: mm-hmm. they lose
3: that, you're not going over.
0: So there you go. Don't don't take Rutgers over. Do Rutgers money line week one because if they lose it, then at least you're not having to sit around and. and- Work it on your spreadsheet, not have to figure out your books. You've got them all balanced right there by September fourth. Love it.
1: Wouldn't it be funny it? though if you do that and then Rutgers loses that game, and then they end up seven and five somehow?
0: That that would be hilarious, <laughs> but i I don't see that happening. of all the Of all the chip-o-lytics that I've run on this, Rutgers seven and five is not one that I no. seem to be coming up with. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at budelia 3 You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We will be back on Wednesday with the Big Ten West Division. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
1: Thank you.